commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Grex Kondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news show in depth coverage for the latest stories around the galaxy. Welcome to a fistful of Beskar special. Now we are host, Ben Grant-Adam, to discuss Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Thank you very much, Grex. Yeah. Grex uh, chiming in from uh, Cold World Books today. He's all wrapped up in his cloak. Um... Yeah, uh, here we go. This is the standalone Mando episode for this week, Chapter 14, The Tragedy, uh, an auspicious name. Um, uh, pretty much went exactly the opposite of how I thought this episode would go. Uh, first takes, uh, first blush in this episode, uh, this spoiler-filled um, yeah. episode we're going to talk about. Uh, I was 100% right on how Boba Fett got his armor back. He just walked in the Mandalorian's open door and took it. <laughs> and took it right. You were right. You're like, don't leave your door open, man. Yeah. It's like they uh, set yeah. the precedent last week, like with the open door to just make you itchy. I, like, right. I'm going to say that's good filmmaking. They've been hinting at yeah. it. It's, it's, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Chekhov's open door. Um, yeah. but it's, you know, that was that thing. Uh, it was, it was an episode that, you know, a lot of stuff happened in it, and I I enjoyed a lot of it, and um, I I have some thoughts that we can talk later about. <laughs> that's that's my. I thought, the, I thought the biggest surprise was that we went to Tython immediately. I mean, Mando just yeah. lines yeah. into Tython, whereas I thought that would probably you know that would occur later in this in the season, probably the, the finale or something like yeah. that. But we went went straight there. We went straight to the Seeing Stone. So that was that was cool to see that 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 whole scene uh, take place, and just I, to see see yeah. a place of such force power and nexus of the force like that was really cool mm-hmm. yeah, in live action i i completely agree i mean i i think we talked about well it could go either way but i i mean in my heart i really felt like we were going to get another side episode with fama yua directing another sort of heist thing um with yeah with um mayfield um but yeah, I was so I was like, oh, it's on. We're just going to Tython. Yeah. There it is. And it's not from the um, from the trailer. It was like, despite what we said last week and it being an ice planet, they found a grassy knoll for them to um, perch on, um, which was cool. Um, and yeah, we just got right into it. And it was just like power packed 30 minutes short episode, which is a bummer, but um, just hitting you over the head with awesome Hitting you over the head with a gaffy stick of awesome the whole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, kind of about that. Like I, I similarly every time I'm like, oh, we're at Tython. All right. You know, cool. He's not going to get to the temple. Oh, he's at the temple. All right. Well, th- you know, th- th- he's not going to get, you know, he's not going to put him on the, oh, he put him on the stone. Well, the stone's not going to actually do, oh, the stone's doing something. Like it was like, yeah. it was like, it really was. By the way, puts him on the stone for less than a minute and asks if he's seeing anything. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like here's, he's like, are you seeing anything yet? I mean, you just set him there. Let's give him a couple seconds to connect to center his chi. Yeah, I mean, Din was a little uh, dim, <laughs> if I may. <laughs> um, and this one, like, I yeah, he's he's a he's a man with faults, and it I think it's great because it's gonna they're leaving his character room to evolve a little bit. But yeah. like, he's very much like I've got a mission, I have to complete the mission, and then when I complete the mission, that's good, you know. And he's a like a simple dude. And you could see, you know, early in this episode, he's trying to come to terms with the fact that he has feelings for for Grogu. He's like, I, I love this kid. And he's like, no, but the mission does the thing. But he's also kind of dense in other <laughs> like he's a very simple, you know, binary sort of thought, like good, bad. Um, yeah. 
right wrong let's do the right. thing you're right but luckily, for, this luckily not for him right. luckily for him it turns out boba fett pretty honorable guy like he's, yeah like kind he's of the just same looking fate. for his armor and he's and then yeah. he's i guess in debt to man to mando oh, for he made a commitment and, uh, and he got yeah. caught by technicality he caught himself in his own technicality <laughs> But I, he's just he's he's lawful neutral, right? That's who they're painting this Boba Fett out to be, where he lives yeah. by. He doesn't. He's not good. He's not bad. He doesn't work for the Empire. He doesn't work for the Rebellion. He works for whoever will pay him. But he has a code he lives by with clear rules. Right. Yeah, that was I mean, interesting to see that code uh, explored in this episode. Yeah. On this, my second watch through, I, that struck me a bit more where he does have this code because. Obviously, we don't know anything about Boba Fett. So this is I mean, this is really special in that we're covering tracts of a very popular main run character. Um, and, and we're getting backstory and we're getting stuff about Boba Fett like we've never had certainly live action. But even in the comics, you're never really sitting next to Boba Fett as he, you know, goes on exploits for very short, like maybe a mission, yeah. short time. Um, but we're getting into the core of his character now. And it's so cool. And I mean, there's no better avatar than than Tamara Morrison, like to be to take us on this journey of sort of like learning who Boba Fett is and what yeah. he's about. Um, so, yeah, it, it, to me, I think he's actually when we start thinking about like the different sects of um, Mandalorians, I mean, he sounds like he's an orthodox Mandalorian. His dad was also a foundling and their views of the Mandalorian creed are very similar. Um mm -hmm. And in, in that, he's like, we made a promise, heck or high water, hell or high water. I think there's hell in, in the galaxy. They, yeah, they, um, they, they he's going to follow it. And that, that's a very Din Djarin um, yeah. mode of thinking. Yeah, right. I think he's a little less devout than, than Din and, um, and the other Mandos uh, around Din. But um, I don't think he really considers himself much of a Mandalorian. You know, he's like, he's, he's. He's he's culturally Mandalorian, but not religiously Mandalorian. He's a right. man he's trying to make his way in the galaxy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so, yeah, it seems like his father was a pretty devout Mandalorian. You know, he was a foundling raised. That's where the armor came from. Yeah. And I think that that's why initially Din Djarin's reluctant to give him his armor back because he's like, I mean, he doesn't really have the full story, but it's more when he's like, okay, you inherited this. This is coded to you. This is your armor. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, so it seems like, okay, like he's a son of a foundling and he's like, you know, there is a little loss there. I mean, because you, it needs to be balanced, whatever they're trying to make Boba Fett into now that works with this story, like what he's been and what he is, you know, what he's been has been a ruthless killer and bounty hunter. Um, which is kind of the state we found in Jaren in, in season one. Right. So the uh, question is, do we totally trust Boba Fett at this point? No, not, not at all. Never. Um, Never. Right. No, because, you know, we grew up. I mean, I grew up and, and Ben, you grew up as Boba Fett. Not we only knew him very little from the original trilogy and not being that seemed like a very didn't do much. He seemed like a bad guy. He's always painted to us as one of the bad guys. Right. And right. they did more with him in the Clone War episodes as a kid. But like, I, I can't imagine him just being cool with a with a little Jedi wandering around his ship or, or going to rescue a little Jedi. I you know, I'm going to take the other side from you guys here. I think I 100 percent trust Boba Fett to do this. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, he's he's 
I think he's just again binary. He needs a mission. He needs something yeah. to do. He's got his second I, win now that he's got his armor. And the Boba Fett we know from the comics, and you know, he he gets his quarry. Boba Fett does what he says he's going to do. That's where that's why he became the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy is because he's an you know executor. He just like he does it. And so this is part of him building up his his cred again. You know, his first mission now is to rescue this this um, Jedi, and he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe Jedi. This I, force you know, I actually agree. I think yes. I think we can trust him to do that mission. I don't trust him once he sees that kid use the force in front of him. I think that might be the turn of this turn of the season. Oh, because he has a real axe to grind with Jedi. Yeah, I mean, he literally held his father's decapitated head up to his head after watching. <laughs> Mace mm-hmm. do. I guess I used decapitated way too many times in that sentence, but you know what I'm getting at. Yes, his decapitated yeah. decapitation. Then took his father's head out of that helmet, we just learned, polished it up, and started wearing it. Um, yeah. It's, so, I mean, we we learned some massive things about Boba Fett in this episode um, about his history, and since we're on it, why don't we just say it? But, I mean, yeah, yeah. He, so he that armor was Jango Fett's armor, which makes sense that he would he would use that armor. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he recovered it because he was separated it for from it for a long time. And he had his own armor for a while, but it makes sense right. that he would hold on to it. And then when he was when he literally grew into it, he would wear it. Yeah. Um, and it's got more and more beat up over the years. But it looks I don't know. I I don't know if he's going to polish it up or not. But this version of Boba Fett's pretty cool with just like a totally I, like wasted armor. I hope I hope they don't. And I just love how different. It looks on him versus Cobb Vanth because Cobb Vanth immediately yeah. when you see him, as I mentioned, I think Carly's even like, that's not Boba Fett. <laughs> like even, yeah. you know, not knowing any story. And then this, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's Boba Fett. Like, like second he lands, it's like that is that is there. And it's it's um, it was cool to see him. I, I um, I'm so glad they actually did the armor. I wasn't expecting the armor to necessarily happen in this episode. Um it's amazing watching it the second time, second time through how much happens in a 30 minute episode. Yeah. And yet at times it slows down to me. It's weird. Like I would have, the second time I watched this episode, I would have sworn it was 45 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's like, it does yeah. not feel fast. I think that's a credit to Robert Rodriguez. I think Grant, you had said you thought this was a family you uh, episode, but I was pleasantly surprised to see it was uh, yeah. Robert Rodriguez. We also found out he was a late ad. They actually added him to the director's list. Do you know why? Production process. Someone drop not out? Too, not too sure. I just read an article recently where he just he was. I wonder. I wonder if Taika Watiti might have been on it, and then now he's off doing Thor. Oh. And so I wonder if that's part of the reason, or if just Robert Rodriguez called because he's he is friendly with John Favreau. He was on his chef show at some point, so I wonder if maybe. He was just like, he called him up and they're talking. He's like, I'd love to direct one of these. I was like, wait, you want to direct an episode of The Mandalorian? I never would have thought to ask you to do that. We will make room for you. You know, I could see either way happening. Yeah. And um, super fun episode because it is the debut of the, the Dark Trooper, which is pretty cool in, in Star Wars history. And of course, all the Boba Fett development yeah. as well. My yeah. wife had a lot of reactions to this episode. <laughs> All like right. a lot of verbal reactions, which <laughs> I was have a, give us a corner here. Uh, yeah. So I was like, you, you know, I always like to watch the I like watching episode first and then watching the second time through. I'm mostly watching her to see if she reacts to things because she's how I view Star Wars through. So again, a fan who just watches mostly the movies and the TV show. And 
she was very upset about everything that happened to baby Yoda, like verbally upset about things in a good way, like as as appropriately yeah. in the story, which I was just like, oh, that's interesting. I've never really seen her react to that. <laughs> Those little uh, binders. Yeah. <laughs> the wee I binders. I, I, when I was working out and now I'm like side story. I was yelling as when I was working out, I yelled. I, I spoke to the TV multiple times. And the one was like, get the baby binders. I love that they have. Tiny <laughs> and then I yelled, I actively yelled, put your robot abs into it. And I'll talk about what that means in a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but Carly reacted to that. She laughed at Boba Fett's the the Boba Fett joke. Uh, I was aiming for the other one. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Right. That was a good bit. And she really found the Dark Troopers creepy. She's like, "Ooh, those are creepy." Yeah. So yeah. So Which is good job by Robert Rodriguez, I would say. Yeah. Um, should we sort of do a little chronological run through this thing as best we can? Just uh, sure. One sure. other quick thing about Robert Rodriguez. Uh, I was totally him. I don't know if I would have been able to pick it out, but like he did, he loves to do those. He cuts, he cuts, um, what's the word look out? He cuts, uh, cells out, not cells. What am I talking about? He likes to skip. He cuts, frame. um, frames out. There's so much frame cutting in this, in the action. I'm just like, oh, that's totally Robert Rodriguez's trick. And I love it. Like during the action scenes, you'll notice oh, no skip. That's frames. Totally. He's totally doing that. Uh, it's interesting in a digital medium, but yeah, speeds it up. Know. Like there's certain things that are just like, like there's a couple of blaster fire things where I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah. And I'm like, wait, what happened? And I'm like, Oh, he speed ramps the, he speed ramps. The yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Does that like yeah. super grainy Steven prime and Ryan? <laughs> he does that a couple times with Boba. Boba Fett just has an incredible <laughs> action moment in this yes. episode where he takes but, down. You know, a dozen odd stormtroopers in the most ruthless way possible. With like just that gaffy stick, which you were like, yeah. why does he carry a gaffy stick? And now we learn. And now that's why. I just love how Favreau's letting the directors be themselves. In this, like, Taika Waititi's episode felt like a Taika Waititi movie. This felt like a Rodriguez movie. And I just really appreciate that he's letting each one kind of show their own voice. Right. Like that armor, you know. Just the arsenal was kind of unending in that armor. It felt like El Mariachi with like the guitar mm. case. It felt like this unending kind of <laughs> gadget of, of, yeah. of, of weapons. Totally. All right. Now we can do the uh, blow by blow. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I we see. I'm sorry. What was that? You guys give my permission. Thank you. Appreciate that, Adam. Uh, Dr. Adam. Um, we, um, yeah. So we, we start with them in the ship and they're. Um, I don't know. We get that sort of tender moment in the beginning um, with the ball. And he's I don't know. He's like Mando's mad at himself a little bit for I don't know, like did miss like I, what, what was he mad about? You know, he was mad at himself. Right. Um, yeah. For not knowing that he would not thinking he would have been trained in the force. I think he feels like, yeah, I think he, he underestimated him a little bit. And I feel like he's also mad at himself and mad at knowing that the kid's going to go. Away. I mean, I mean, this scene is the most foreshadowy scene I think I've ever seen in the Mandalorian. Like it's so much of like, I can't train you. Oh, you're supposed to be with your kind. And I'm like, okay, dude, we get it. The kid's going to be with you. You are his family. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It was just like, I can't train. You're too powerful. And I'm like, all right, Luke, right. calm down. And, and a scene later, he's rocketing through the sky with a baby <laughs> under his arm like yeah. Superman. That was great. You know? when the Dopplering noise of uh, the baby's soul. So good. Whale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Coo. 
Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, Ben, I think that's what it was. He was just kind of upset with himself or not for underestimating him, realizing he could have spent time trying to figure out and not realizing how powerful. And I think in some ways how important this thing is. I think he's starting to finally figure out the importance of this child. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no he is like he... an innocent child with the Force. It's it's now a Jedi in his eyes, right? Like yeah. Ahsoka essentially confirms that this this uh, Grogu's had Jedi training and and yeah. trained with many masters at that. It's pretty remarkable. Right. So he's got a little more respect for the child. He's like, you know, he, I mean, everyone calls him Mandalorian, which is so that kind of excuses the fact that he calls like Mithral Mithral, even though he like has a proper name, but he just all, you know, always called the, the child kid, but now he's like, Oh, you have a name. Like, yeah. And like, yeah, I guess you're right. That, that respect is now, now he has more respect for the child. Yeah. I do love the Grogu and just trying out that name. And yeah. Every time <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Which like any of us would, you know, yeah. just because like it's so adorable. He makes like the cutest noise every time you say his name. Yeah, um, great, great noises. Great sound design in this episode overall. I thought, no, I thought so that was good. a stand, standout feature of the episode. Uh, yeah. Slave One, uh, Grogu, oh. Dark Troopers, lots of great sound. Yeah. I really started to notice this season in particular. I, uh, I think on the whole, the sound design sort of took another step. Um they do some really interesting things with it. Um, I rewatched uh, episode 13 before this and, and mm-hmm. noticed a lot more sort of chatter in the background. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They do great things. I mean, there's a lot of classic sound the dark saber that we see later on um, is a perfect, that's it's the same sound they use in um, uh, clone wars. Right. Uh, oh, trying to think. yeah, they, They've everything's sort of pitch perfect. Yeah, the Slave One's uh, motor is perfect. Oh my god, just seeing Slave yeah, One that sounded oh. incredible. When it, yeah, when it, uh, I just yeah. the nerd in me seeing that fly through the skies is like, oh my god. But um, yeah. yeah, so so we get to uh, we get to the mountaintop there. He finds it right away, like we said. Um, so we see a we see a Jedi temple really for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. In this show. Yeah, 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 or at least so, a, a, yeah. yeah, they call it a, a henge, a Jedi yeah, henge. Yeah. Um, now, had, had Ahsoka said that there's a temple beneath that site, that te- that uh, seer seeing stone site? She did actually. Yeah, I believe she did. Yeah, I, I think that's just kind of the top of it. Yeah, right. We're probably not gonna get to see underneath it, but that was uh. So, all right, this is another thing we desperately need to talk about. Um, is that ultimately i mean first of all that scene was adorable too he's just like i don't know how this works which is like the same way yeah. we feel about this it's just like he's just like uh do you talk to the force now and it's still it's a baby you know like it's a 50 year old baby but it's still a baby it's still a baby and then and he's they, just like oh butterfly you know yep and they also <laughs> did they did a cheat that sometimes i hate in movies but i love in this and that cheat is in movies is when there's a helicopter and the helicopter which is a very loud vehicle only for some reason makes a sound when you see it <laughs> right like you're, you're like it could be yeah. coming up behind you and the character turns around and then you hear it and i'm like that's not how sound works yeah yeah but they do that it, in this and I, it, it works so much better in this where like he's just he i think he sees sees slave one and then turns around <laughs> and i just love that moment of just like there's the blue and you hear the sound of it and the force power and i just thought it was so great that that was such a fun little like whoa wait what's happening now yeah, actually doing post-production sound editing, that that grinds my gears, too. And you'd be surprised. Directors push back on that all the time. Because I'm like, how much cooler would it be if you hear Slave 1 before you see it, you know? Yeah. They're like, no, 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 I got it. Like, the dialogue, we got to get the dialogue. And then you see it, and it ramps up, and it ramps down. 
<laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but it was a really foreboding noise you hear that when that engine kind of... Oh, yeah. It's it great. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And Slave 1 is as, um, as fearsome as Boba Fett himself. It's like, it's amazing shit. And they don't hide it. I actually really love how far away it is, but it's such, it cuts such a silhouette that it's instantaneously recognizable, even though it takes up one one hundredth of the screen, right? Like yeah. it, they do not zoom in. They don't do anything. You actually never see it really close up in that first scene. But any Star Wars fan knows, including my wife, knows that's Boba Fett's ship. So that was just a great moment. Like it was just so. Yeah. yeah. And that's it's like an old that's friend. A note, that's a note that Kathleen Kennedy has spoken about recently where like Star Wars is about silhouettes. Like yeah. everyone has a very every every person, every being, every ship has a very unique silhouette, so it's instantly recognizable. Do you know who she might have borrowed that from? Uh no. Matt Raining of The Simpsons. His argument of always the Simpsons oh. is that every character he he ever drew had a distinctive silhouette. And that's why he claims that's why the Simpsons became so culturally relevant, is because they have each one is such a distinct silhouette. That makes a lot of sense. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of good uh, stuff there. And I may have listened stuff. to the first 12 seasons of the Simpsons commentary. I was a big Simpsons nerd for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good thing you're no longer a Simpsons nerd. No, I'm now a Futurama nerd. <laughs> you've you've grown up. I have. I've evolved. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, amazing. So this is like, okay, they're on Tython. Okay, we're right at the the thing. Okay, there's... Slave one. Okay, Boba Fett's coming. Like this episode was amazing. And yeah, and gave me all the things I wanted and more, which is great. And also, okay, the um I really didn't think we'd see the anything happen at the in the henge. Um no, but something did happen. And yeah. Can we talk about the significance of that for a minute? Sure. It sounds it looked pretty much to me like a beacon went out into space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely something happened in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot of, a lot of runic text uh, illuminated. Yeah. Right. And we see energy. we see Grogu go full Yoda too. Yeah. Like, he's actually doing oh, the yeah. doing the, the like actually like has his like fingers doing, yeah. the, doing the yoga pose, which I'm like that's adorable and amazing. Yeah, and he had the like the the his face looked yeah. very concentrating Yoda esque. Like he's, I mean. Like Grogu is really using his training um, for the first time we've seen on there. What do we think was happening there? I think he was specifically connected to someone out there, but I guess not. I guess what I guess what Ahsoka said is like he would project, and maybe someone's listening, right? Like it's a radio signal that kind of goes out. So I guess maybe he's not really connected. I just took taking back ex- literally exactly what I said. So I think he was just transmitting. Okay, so that's like that. That's the, the that's what the thing does. It sends you into the galaxy, and just like here I am, um, force sensitives. And then, but I mean, he was there kind of a long time and seemed to be engaged in something. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we talked about the possibility of seeing a Jedi communicate with him or seeing 
uh, or seeing you know characters like, like Ezra possibly come in with a, a Thrawn mention or something like that. But this this scene made me think we may just get Luke Skywalker after yeah. all because this beacon's going off. And what do we know about Luke at this point in time? He is going around to some of the earliest Jedi right. temples. Yeah, and he's exploring and exploring the ruins and exploring all the the artifacts and what's what knowledge is in there. And so I feel like if anyone saw or heard or communicated with or you know can reciprocate that call it would be luke and be luke and that's what yeah. he's doing right now and he's like oh a, a super strong child in need you know because yeah, he's probably yeah. you know communicating his situation and it's with the empire and it's on yeah. this thing so uh for other listeners we didn't really talk about this last week um but we talked about it off air it was we sort of, I don't know, pass over it, but the, the Ezra connection would make sense if they're trying to tie Ahsoka back in. I think we all sort of agreed. We thought that would be the last we'd see of Ahsoka possibly for ever or whatever. Yeah. But if, if, if the Jedi who responds to this call is Ezra, it would sort of reconvene the plot lines of characters we've seen before with Bo-Katan, we'd get Sabine Wren, we'd get Ahsoka, like they, you know, they would all sort of, Convene. I, I think we started with Force Ghost. I think we said possibility of seeing Force Ghost Yoda communicate yep. with Grogu. Yeah. And then we, we then we jumped to Ezra, thinking maybe he could answer the call. But after Definitely watching this episode, Luke. I got I got to think Luke. After watching, I uh, I was yeah. still thinking Luke. Um, about the about the Ezra stuff. Did you hear Dave Filoni this week? They he was in an interview and he spoke to specifically someone asked him about the timing of the ending of rebels and how that coincides with the episode 13 of the Mandalorian. And he okay. was very cagey about it. And he said, could have been before, could have been after timelines right, are weird. And Star Wars. time time. Oh, is, yeah. They do, a, they do a time crunch in that, uh, in that epilogue. And so it's, it's, it's very vague as to when you, uh, Sabine and Ahsoka leave Lothal. Uh, yeah. It was always assumed. And I think it was soft canon at the time that it was directly after the end of episode six, but yeah. he's not suggesting it could have actually happened. That could have actually happened oh. after the events of this episode of episode Mandalorian. 13. He's not, but he's, he's, he's doing it in a very Dave Filoni slash George Lucas way of like, I don't know. Time's weird in star Wars. Like he's just, I think he's just right. leaving it open to kind of, yeah. you know, which I enjoy. Yeah. My, I, we talked about this last week or the week before it, my impression was that it was right after um, the fall of the second Death Star, right? Because it seems like that's when everything was happening. But then we see like a grown, or you know, a teenage um, Jason Syndulla, and yeah, there is a lot of wonkiness there. And I think it was Grant, you were the one that brought up. It's like, do we know when this happened? And um, yeah, that I mean, that makes a lot of sense because also we're seeing Ahsoka here, new lightsabers, no staff, not really the the Gandalf, uh, not Gandalf out as she is in the end of rebels. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, which that staff she has at the end of rebels looks a lot like the Beskar staff. We see the Mando using, except it has a circle on the, on the top instead of a spear tip. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we know she's, she's chasing, but she's chasing Thrawn though. And that was the mission at the end of rebels. So to me right. that says she's already started pursuing Ezra and Thrawn because they're that's, together when the last time we see them. Yeah, that's my assumption as well. Just as yeah. interesting, he kind of kept it vague, but Did all this to say that it's probably Luke. I'm with I'm with Grant about this of him projecting. If anyone's going to hear it and respond, I'm guessing it's Luke. Um, 
I also have theories about when we'll see Luke if we see Luke, and I'm going to push it back to season three now because I have a feeling of where they're going with the season. If this is the Empire Strikes Back of of uh, of this of the Mandalorian, I, I have a feeling, and based on the ending of this episode, we'll get to shortly. I have a feeling that uh, anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> um. Okay. All right. I had a pretty uh, fun theory that. the other day. That's not a total tangent. Uh, won't sidetrack us too much, but I. I heard a theory that the Bad Batch show that it could have been the Bad Batch that saved Grogu from the Jedi Temple. Ooh, and that might mm. be a, a, a storyline. That that's interesting. Be. That would work. I like that. Yeah, kind of works, right? When you think about it, it totally does. She did say someone, but I mean, you know, the Bad Batch is someone. There's someone yeah. in the Bad Batch. I like that. That would yeah. be that would be cool. If they were unaffected and were like, well, you know, they were on the sort of periphery there in Coruscant trying to trying to save Jedi. Um, yeah, from, from their twisted brothers. It's try. It's interesting. I'm trying to think of like, uh, uh, like how you would say that in a sentence. It was more than one people, right? Like if it was if you're trying to be vague, would it be like, and she might also not know, or he might not know, but you'd be like a group of people unknown to me. <laughs> like it's right, weird, right? right. I think yeah, you would yeah. still say someone, even if it was a group of four or five people, like someone saved him. Wow, so that one's entirely clear. I don't think Ahsoka knows exactly what happened either. That yeah. would be an amazing way for the Bad Batch to start because we know it's going to start right after where they left off of, um, right. in, at the end of episode seven of the Clone Wars, um, which is right at the beginning of the Purge, which is yeah. a wild time for, to be following around these these people. So that would be a really exciting way. And it's like, why not bring these powerful punches um, back to who they could uh, speak to in a second. I, I, I think Luke would be my preference. We talked about this last week. I think he was my call on that. I, it would be, I mean, if we're really just hitting like with all of our heavy punches here, or, like John Favreau's going full Boba Fett and like every episode. So good. It's like all these major players that would be the most impactful character to tie in here. And, and I would just, my heart would be full forever if I could, see Hamill do anything with this show or any Star Wars thing again. Um, and that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that seems to be like the logical thing, but I wouldn't hate a surprise here. I wouldn't hate a Mace Windu. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I might not love a Yoda sort of like from the beyond, but maybe it is. I mean, he looked like Grogu was getting some pretty serious knowledge there. Like he could be communing with a lot of former Jedi, but it's because he doesn't speak. It's tough to know what, you know, what it, what it is he learned. I mean, right. they, they've got to um, expound, you know, do some exposition on that at some point, I would think, but um, yeah, I don't know. Would be, would be great to have a Luke sort of swoop in. And and I really hope it's in a way that says, you know, what you're like, know all that you need. You are a Jedi. You know, you do not need to be trained. You're where you need to be. Yeah. And, you know, especially Luke knows someone that knows about the the dangers of separation. I mean, Ahsoka does. Obviously, she's like, don't train him like he shouldn't be trained, you know, but someone else that can just be like, listen, being a Jedi is a path that you need to yeah. follow on your own. And that's, you know, the, the dogmatic views of the Jedi were faulted. And that's why it collapsed. Like, yeah, we exactly. need to find a new way. You know, the Jedi need to find a new way. And 
Um, so he knows all he need. He knows all he needs. Well, to, to uh, you know, his claim that attachment was the downfall of of Anakin. I, I argue it's not attachment, more about the Jedi's views on attachment because he exactly. shared yeah. his secret. But like, let's say that his his downfall was attachment. Luke's triumph was attachment. His attachment to his father is what exactly. saved his father and ended the empire, right? And so I think that's yeah. the biggest story. So I think you're right. Like his attachment to the Mandalorian is not something that Luke would necessarily see as a negative, especially if he sees the honor in the Mandalorian, which is all these episodes are just are just keep showing how honorable of a person the Mandalorian is as much as he tries to fight it, right? So yeah. I do like that quite a bit. Like, I think you're right. I think Luke might just say, I think the end of this whole thing is just has to end as Grant said numerous times with them walking into the sunset. Right. And I think that's, that's after he gets to go ahead of like, no, no, you found your clan. You found your home. You found your trainer. You found your father. Yeah. Right. And, right. And all you feel is like, that's totally wrong. Like, I mean, there would be people that would stop watching this show. If Grogu was like off training somewhere. No. Yeah. Was like, you can't split them up. You can't split them up. Um, Brad. All right, so that happens. Then we get uh, so the return of Fennec Shan. Uh, does she yeah. look cooler this time around than she did before, or is that just me? I love the costumes in this episode. Same man. costume, but it's a pretty awesome costume. So it, it is. Anytime yeah. you get to see it is a special moment. Yeah, the like fluorescent orange panels on her like black like jacket that was yeah that's cool. Uh, the helmet's a great helmet. She has a great great silhouette for Fennec Shan actually. Yeah. Um, Carly specifically called out her jacket and wants to buy it. And I'm like, it's yeah. probably for sale. Everything there, there's a knockoff eventually with Star Wars. Etsy. So it's, it's probably there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone on Etsy. Someone's made it. it. Someone's yeah. made it. Yeah. Um, so that would be actually a great cosplay. <laughs> um, yeah. The crocheted <laughs> Shan jacket. Um, just twenty nine ninety nine. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's great. Um, I, and I just sort of love the way they that this developed. They got, you know, um there's the introduction they're like he's like let's have a chat and sit down and i was like yes let's yeah let's yeah. Let's, let's please just talk for a while i want to hear y'all just spill some juicy um star wars tidbits um and that was pretty cool and then you know then the attack and i was like or who did you think was going to come out of that ship when the, the foreign ship arrives right did you guys have like were you like there, oh yeah there there was no like dark, you know, or like swell in the dark music or swell in the music of any kind. So I didn't think the dark troopers were gonna come out, but I I did, I did expect, you know, obviously Imperials to come out because they were Imperial. Yeah, transport. yeah, it was I, Imperial transporter. Yeah, it, you guys recognize that as an Imperial transport? I mean, it, yeah. it's actually kind of like an early version of a First Order troop transport. It but is. I it looked just like off of uh, you know Episode Seven, so I backtracked my brain too, right. because I mean. Let's just let's just let's just call it, guys. What we're seeing is the first order. Like what we're seeing is yeah. the nascent first order. So it makes sense that there are troop transports that look like that, and that right. you're getting there. I mean, you know, not to jump ahead too much, but that's my theory. Yeah, and and I mean, when that happened, I was like, oh, cannon fodder, awesome. This is going to be great. Yeah. But so... I, I see in my heart, before <laughs> we waves, get to it, I was like, cannon fodder. Yeah, go for it. So I didn't recognize it necessarily as an Imperial ship right away. I really was like, please be Bosk. Like, I wanted to see oh, someone oh, else trailing. Right, that would have been, that would have been incredible. I want to live in your yeah. brain. 
I wish yeah. I had that moment of expectation. Yeah. I think because I just like watched the, the I read the Bounty Hunters comic this afternoon too, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be Forlom and Zarkus or someone's gonna spill out of there that we've never seen before. But um, I was happy with cannon fodder. They look in in the stormtroopers looked awesome. They like Moff Gideon keeps a tight yeah. ship, so all of their armor is always pristine. But it looked like matte white in the sun. It looked they looked so good. It was really cool seeing Stormtroopers in a bright setting other than like, I mean, the last time we ever saw that was what Tatooine really, but that was like episode four. And that was like, you know, 1977 ability shooting. And it just wasn't the same. This was really, they popped. (laughs) Yeah. And it was even in Tatooine, it was like a shinier finish, but it really, I think um, David Klein, I think was a DP in this um, Mm. clerks. (laughs) Yeah. Discussed off air. Um, uh, uh, Yeah. Kevin Smith gave a shout out to him. Um, but yeah, it might've been some filter that he used or whatever, but they really looked like they had this really like flat white finish on their armor. And it yeah. Looked, it looked really cool. You're absolutely right. Um, and then they, and I actually really liked that they separated Dinjarin so that we could show off Boba Fett and Fennec Shan. And then we got two flavors of Boba Fett, not just one. Um, I really like, like Sith robed Boba Fett with his like gaffy stick and, and, yeah. you know, um cycler rifle um that was cool to see them just like just go off uh yeah i don't know i just really like i no i agree i actually enjoyed that version of boba fett more than the armored boba fett not that i disenjoyed that didn't enjoy that but like i that that action fight scene with the with the gaffy stiff was amazing yeah, it and was how so it upset. starts was incredible. And uh, credit credit to David Klein, the cinematographer. There's just like this shot of the low hanging, you know, head of the gaffy stick. Just it, you know, I think it's just dragging right. dragging on the ground. And it's just yeah. Sit- yeah. Well, it's just sitting there, and it's it's obviously Boba Fett's like pensive and ready to to spring. And it's like it was just such a fun, interesting shot. I really like that. that yeah. That, that, yeah. Um, he made it super menacing. That was what actually Jenny was like, oh, it makes sense. Robert Rodriguez would do that. And like there's like vignetting um, around yeah. it when it's there's one in the middle of the fight. He's dragging it and you get the sense of foreboding that it's like, oh, he's going to bring the band with that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I bet actually you could probably match up some shots with A New Hope where we see the gappy stick uh, another way. And it's it might have been used similarly, yeah. but and just to see that weapon in action in like full action was amazing. And then, yeah, you get, you get a sense of how fearsome Boba Fett is. And then you get another gear when he's got his armor on, he's a one man wrecking crew that an entire like uh unit of stormtroopers are like, let's get out of here. Like, yeah. we gotta go. like we're overmatched. We got to go. Um, and that was really cool. And um, Fennec Shan had some great action sequences as well. That was, yeah. Oh yeah, when she jumps off that cliff, like yeah, backwards, shoots yeah. the pretty sweet. Right, and there was an ab workout there, Adam. I think you wanted to talk. <laughs> yeah, she was she was uh, having to push that rock that got that got dislodged from a mortar shell. Right, and I literally was like, she was pushing it, and I'm also like, that's to kind of go back. They, the way they explain her not being dead is that you know apparently Boba Fett found her and gave her a robot stomach, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I just I love the way they did that. This eleven Star Star Wars is like no no discussion other than just like taking open a flap and just showing your robot stomach and then closing it and being like yeah that that's enough said enough explained yeah. there but it's literally pushing and I'm like well that's an ab workout so I'm like use your robot abs yeah totally that rock um, but they definitely gave her um, Ming Na Wen um, did such a great job I you know again yeah. I think this proves 
the point I made a bit earlier this season is that you don't bring an actor in like that for just one episode, right? Like, she came back. So, yes, we're probably going to see Timothy Oliphant again, right? Like, I don't think that you just bring these people in to just do a one-off because they're going to come back and they're going to have fun doing it. And, but she was great. And it was, it was, it was great watching her show off her action chops. I, um, you know, off air, Ben and I have talked about agents of shield. My wife and I just finally finished the series. Oh, uh, nice. last, season, fun, yeah, right? last season, highly enjoyable. We were really full, yeah. really back in on the last season. It was done so well, but you know, she has had such great training and she's so good at action scenes and martial arts. So it was really great to be able to see her show that stuff off in this episode. Yeah, I was actually surprised she did have a couple of stunt doubles in there too, but she was doing some pretty serious stunts. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of it was her, and she's just a great yeah. actress and physical actress. Um, yeah, really talented. Um, yeah. Looked pretty, uh, like the environment was pretty rugged, so uh, pretty tough to do stunt work out there. So it looked like it was on location too. It didn't look like it was, uh, I, yeah, volume I used. Too. it looked like there was volume used, but didn't, uh, not for all the scenes. It did seem like they did go to maybe a location in near the Los Angeles or in yeah. know, Mexico, but probably, yeah. probably just outside Los Angeles. I mean, it's really interesting. We've talked a bit about before where I feel like they spent all of their budget in the first half of the season, like with the giant monsters and the, and the <laughs> super effect. And like the yeah. last two episodes were done for this series fairly inexpensively i think shot on location shot in the volume but really great action scenes and really great character work that you don't notice the fact that there's not these giant set you know side you know giant cgi set pieces right and i think right. they're doing it so well that they know they can tell those two different types of stories and they both feel so fulfilling yeah and there were there were still some pretty impressive oh you know, yeah big budget shots in this episode especially yeah. when uh, the dark troopers are going down uh, descending yeah. on the the searing stone the seeing stone the, the right. Stonehenge the Jedi Stonehenge site and then also when Boba Fett uh, when Slave One descends to Navarro that's a pretty long yeah. take of the Slave One descending and Atmo landing in Navarro they're doing a lot more CGI with ships this season in general than they did in the last season and I appreciate it it looks great um, so since you said Dark Troopers we'll get there in a second so my main issue if I had an issue with this episode is it felt like a video game. <laughs> So like, so first you have like six stormtroopers run out. Then you have like another, it's like, oh, you beat that level. Oh, now we're going to up the ante a little bit and have a mortar one come out. And then, and then yeah. like, and it's like dark troopers. And I'm like, okay, why didn't you just have them all come out at one? Like, it's just felt very, yeah. like, like, it, level like it almost feels like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. <laughs> and that, like yeah. the plot yeah. progression feels almost happenstance instead yeah. of like premeditated. Like, it's like, oh, we have these characters that are in the mix already. Let's just bring them into this episode. Let's sprinkle a little bit of this there. Let's sprinkle a little bit, a little bit of that there. Let's also try to be diplomatic. Like when, when, when Boba Fett wants to chat right off the bat, I was like, "Oh, this is this is D and D. This is a D and D campaign. Is, it's not just yeah. let's not just go into in guns blazing. Let's let's try to you know do a charisma check, and uh, <laughs> and then even like Boba Fett just searching the Seeing Stone, and then the waves of stormtroopers attacking them. It did feel like a video game. It did feel like a sort of uh, some some sort of like game experience. Yeah, I mean, it's they've been very closely tied to video games i mean the hk87 droids they, there's a lot of callbacks to video games in this and yeah i don't know maybe they are laying some bricks for uh some offshoot video games 
I mean, an Ahsoka game would be amazing. And like, you know, even a a game sort of following the exploits of the Mandalorian would be really fun, too. Um, I I mean, we're all gamers, so yeah, I'm like more please, I guess. And maybe that's just the storytelling they want to tell, right? Because this is not the first time we made that we made that connection. And we talked about that in the first season where it was just like every season episode feel like, oh, you completed this mission. You got this best car. You can upgrade your armor in this way. Yeah. Right. Like, like, I feel like they're just they're They're kind of doing that stuff a little bit on purpose or I don't know, maybe not. Maybe it's an unconscious choice, but it's very much like just the second time I walked through it. I'm like, level one, complete level two, (laughs) complete. Like, it's like, yeah. And and we're recovering the spear at the end of this episode. Just yeah. Like that kind of like the, the, the bow to tie oh, everything yeah. together. We got to loot. You got to go through your, you got to go through everything and collect all your items yeah, and loot. Exactly. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah. I had a, I had a, so, so I guess we'll get there, but I had a very, I had a moment of sadness where um, I was talking to Carly about this, where, so next episode we'll get there in the storytelling. It's, it's suggesting we're going to see uh, Mayfield again. So I'm guessing that's the yeah. Rick Fiyuma episode, probably. But I went in my mind, I'm like, oh, great. Maybe we'll see the droid again. Right. Remember the droid? Was oh, yeah. It, uh... we already and I'm like, see the oh, droid. wait, no, the droid was yeah. on the ship. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, frog lady yeah, used the droid. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, he's slag. I went through a whole journey while I was making dinner. You guys are going to have to explain to me that the entire scene with Cara Dune, because I really don't understand uh, Dinjarin's yeah, motivation right. to look for Migs Mayfield. Like, why? Why is he searching for Mayfield specifically? Yeah, not not my favorite scene um, for a couple <laughs> reasons. And just that, just that entire scene. I just didn't know yeah. what was going on. I didn't know anyone's motivation in that scene. Really, I was yep. like confused. Yeah, I mean, Ut- if utterly you, confused. I, yeah. Well, so one thing that was cleared up in that scene, and I I do want to go backwards, but we'll do that later. Um, they, I. I so it turns out that medallion is a is a marshal. It's a badge. It's like a marshal's badge that's issued yeah. in the New Republic. So we learned that it's not that token, though. I did extra research on that online and found out that I thought they were like the the um, veterans chips that are sort of given as sort of a badge of like, hey, good on you, like good work, um, and and a challenge to you know be better and and do good things or a reward for like a you know for doing things. I thought it was that it's not. So a lot of research done for not, but, um, so it turns out she is, she has accepted some sort of role Cardoon has with the new Republic, um, and has access to this thing. But yeah, I mean, Bill Burr, uh, you know, I have a love hate relationship with him, um, yeah. and mostly his fan base, but, um, yeah, interesting that for some, like, I'm like, he has no, does he have any ties to Moff Gideon that we know about? Like, so he is an ex-imperial sharpshooter. Okay. Okay. So that might be. By the way, they revealed his first name, which is Miggs, in this episode. <laughs> Miggs Mayfield. Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, they, that's first time they referred to him as Miggs. Um. So that might be why. Grant, I think I think you're not wrong in not knowing why, because I don't think we as an audience should know why yet. Does that make sense? Like, I think they didn't really make it. We don't know why, because he clearly has a longer. No, he doesn't have a longer relationship with Miggs. Right, he had a relationship with the other guy who connected him with Migs. Right, episode. exactly. I have to go back and, and watch it. Yeah, but right. he he must have done his research and know know why Migs might be the person. I mean, it makes sense if you're looking for an ex imperial. There's probably not a ton that he knows out there. I don't know yeah. why he would specifically know about Moth Gideon, but so I had the impression that Fennec Shand had done a lot of work with the Imperials, and 
if anyone was to know yeah it did feel like imperial cruiser could be her yeah but i don't think he just he knew her because she was a famous pony hunter right yeah so i don't yeah i don't recall whether uh, we had learned anything in that episode that she had connections there the thing that's sort of weird is like if if he didn't know that current by the new republic how would he know that she'd have access to the database to find Mayfeld? <laughs> but you know, let's not get right. I just, I just didn't get the preamble yeah. either. I was like, why not just tell, like the kids missing? Why not just start with that? Start there. <laughs> I yeah. was like, let's start right yes. now. With this the is why thirty a thirty minute episode <laughs> felt like a forty five minute episode to me sometimes, especially yeah. the second time through. I'm like, I know, I'm like that conversation is going on a lot longer than I was expecting <laughs> to go on, especially because I just don't care about certain characters in that scene. <laughs> By the way, there's only two characters, so you can probably guess who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's not Din Djarin, which I care very deeply about. Um, um, yeah, so no, I, I just, agree. I just saw a recent poster, official poster, and Cara Dune situated right in the center of that yeah, poster. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, possibly hinting at a spinoff series, so yeah. brace yourself. Um, um, <laughs> nothing. I mean, that poster may have been designed prior to deciding not to continue with the Cara Dune spinoff. Um, we'll see. We'll see, but we will, we will see, you know, if there's a long time between shooting and releasing a series where people can tweet and Instagram quite a bit. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah so where were we in, we kind of, we jumped well, forward. So, jump yeah. The, the one issue that I wanted to talk about was uh, rest in peace, the razor crest. Yeah. It's a significant character loss there. Well, you asked a very, um, question was it last week or the week before yeah it was a week before i was like can is it possible to get a new ship for for din Djarin? and i think we ultimately decided that yes it was because at that point it was or it was might have been two weeks before because it was in such terrible shape leaving <laughs> um that planet that at corvus um that i was like this thing's not gonna make it but then it came out chris you know sparkling out of Navarro and I was like oh they're just gonna let this ride and they just there actually was a an interview last week um and they released the they they, uh, the plans of the Razor Crest and how they designed it and they were like oh you know they they essentially were like started with a story and they're like all right what do we what does the Mandalorian need and they and they designed the ship based on the needs right and they're like I guess it's like doesn't fit his lifestyle anymore right like that ship has like a a carbon freezing tank like in the yeah. ship right he's not like really bounty, bounty holding you know area and i was like he doesn't really do that now the right they weren't even gonna put jump seats in that thing they were like no we just want one cock one seat in the cockpit like he's a lone gun you know but they were like well i guess it makes sense to have you know a couple jump seats in the cockpit as well for the you know for the child um, but they weren't even going to do that at the beginning. And, you know, and they also didn't want to make it exactly like the, you know, Millennium Falcon. They wanted to have, yeah. have its own thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of his blasters, I was like, I was a little heartbroken when they, yeah. that thing. Yeah. that was a, a character. Like, I mean, ships are characters in the show and you feel for him. And like, they even do the shot between Boba Fett and Fennec Shan, watching him sift through the rubble of his old ship. And it's, it's heart wrenching. <laughs> yeah. His reaction is pretty funny too, because it's like he does that. He's in a medium, medium, and he runs into a close up. But it's like there's <laughs> yeah, no yeah. facial expression. It's just yeah, a yeah. helmet, and you're just like, what? <laughs> what? This is this is where it gets weird. This is where the show gets weird. Well, yeah. his head's like cocked aside slightly. Shot. 
Yeah. And his head and his arms are just like <laughs> hanging by his side. Yeah. Like he's so defeated. It's so great. Yeah. It's great um, body language. Yeah. Cause I was just thinking like his cargo hold is, I was like, before this episode, it had the like Beskar spear, it had yeah. Boba Fett's armor. Like who knows what other untold treasures are in that, you know, thing. Uh, not to mention his armory, um, which I, I, I noticed a second viewing uh, Boba Fett came out with a blaster and he didn't have a blaster before. So uh, he must have raided the armory and found it a blaster that fit him and, and he mm. picked it. Um, oh, I, yeah. I do hope he gets um, just to, to dork out on some Boba Fett tech uh, technicalities. I hope he gets his E3 back. Um, that's like a fan service thing that I kind of hope you see. That's his like signature blaster. Um, and, and like usually he has a sidearm and his EE3, which would be uh, cool to see. Also, I kind of hope he puts on the gray jumpsuit instead of the robes. It looks yeah, a little weird with him, like half yeah. robed, half in his armor. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see. I, I hope next episode we see a more perfect, you know, replica because the first time we see Boba Fett in his helmet, like turn around and and uh, that was a scene, too, where I was like, you see Boba Fett look at the Razor Crest. Um, and I'm like, is he just going to like steal his stuff and leave? That was my gut reaction, um, yeah. which is a, a dumb thing. And then I was like, oh, no, I know exactly what he's doing. And it's going to be awesome. Like, I was like, no, he's just going to he's been waiting for this moment. Like he's been chasing his armor. He's like, this is how I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing right. Puts on his Boba Fett armor and, and just lays waste to a battalion of stormtroopers. The knee, the pin needle rockets out of the knee. The knee? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. What? So that's that's like wow. something from like the statues that were made of him. Totally expanded universe thing. Um, I looked up if, if you can see like you can Google Boba Fett's armor and they do. a There's a, a really cool detailed breakdown of all the stuff in his armor. And and they did a great job of like contrasting what Cobb Vanth used that armor for and like what Boba Fett like. This is a maestro with his, you know, Stradivarius like, you know, how rad was it when he gut punched that stormtrooper and then shot him with his wrist mounted like laser yeah it was his <laughs> concussion like, class what? yeah 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 that's his concussion rocket that's on there that usually just sort of like blows him but like at point blank it just sends him back that was awesome too cool way too cool yeah yeah he used every all the boba fett we wanted was in this episode yeah pretty awesome i mean i think one of my favorite scenes well two favorite things i did love the i was aiming for the other one line it's a classic yeah it's a classic gap great, great but they're giving boba fett a little bit of more personality which i appreciate right and um and then the other part that i really liked is that when he was chasing after the dark troopers in slave one and he gets past the cloud cover and sees the imperial transport he's scared like there's a moment of boba fett being scared and it's kind of one of those things in a great movie thing is like if boba fett's scared we should all be terrified right like there's a moment where yeah. it's like they're back like that their back line or like the imperials are back is just amazing like the way that's delivered is such a good line and up yeah. until that moment i i didn't trust i didn't totally trust boba fett and fennec yeah. i thought that yeah. they're they could possibly be working for i really did think there was another contingent of imperials out there maybe vying for power against gideon and maybe maybe possibly boba fett and fennec shan for serving them or possibly Thrawn if he's out there and it's yeah you know, he's operating against Gideon uh but but nonetheless it seems like Boba Fett's pretty you know earnestly surprised that the uh the, the Empire's back 
Yeah. He's had a really he's had a really secluded life, which I think is really cool. Like for a long time, for you know what, six or seven years, I guess, he's just been on Tatooine, living you know like a wanderer, trying to find his gear. And I, I think that's such a great aspect of this. And he's you know he lives a really secluded life. And now it's like, okay, I've got my armor back, even though he's got his ship. So he's like free to sort of roam. Um, yeah. He's, yeah, you know, trying to, you know, now he's, he's getting exposed to the larger universe and we get to look through his visor and see the, um, the galaxy that way, which is great. Yeah. It's so interesting what his story actually is or could be right. Like, cause it's weird. Cause it's just like, so he doesn't have his armor, but he has a spaceship. And when did he get that? And why didn't he just get his armor back? Because, you know, it's Boba Fett. I mean, I feel like he could have wandered into whatever that town was and taken that armor back from Cobb Vanth any time he wanted. Yeah. Well, th- this is why I-, I actually really like that, because I don't think. Yeah. Star- I don't think Star Wars plays up the fact that it's still a planet. Like, it's still huge. Like, you're a person on a planet. And, you know, it's it's countered somewhat by the fact that, you know, <laughs> Din Djarin landed on Tython on the exact spot of the exact like mountain, like immediately. But um, but I mean, it makes sense that like if I mean, you have to do some mental gymnastics in that Boba Fett's armor kept him alive in the Sarlacc, but somewhere in that fight was separated from his armor and right. his armor got spit out in one direction and he got spit out in another and then somehow knew it was still a lot like the armor was still there. Yeah. Um, or, you know, was trying to track it down. I guess we know how wily the Jawas are and maybe they just got to his gear first and then it wasn't on the thing. And, you know, I was going to say, you know, he spent the first couple of years in tattooing, you know, res- repairing his ship, you know, fighting yeah. off the Jaw or finding, you know, what Jawas had stripped, stripped his ship and getting his yeah since we are exposed to a more honorable boba fett than we assumed he was in this episode right because i do feel like he's an honorable person there's part of me that wonders that was he on tattooing this entire time or isn't honor thing was he did not feel that he had restored his honor enough to earn the armor back right like it just seems weird to me because yeah then the story is he just happened to find his armor in the exact same day that Din Djarin found his armor or he was tracking. Do you know what I mean? Like it just seems <laughs> right. He was getting well, real close to Mos Pelgo. <laughs> well, it, it yeah. could be that like, so someone on Mos Eisley saw a Mandalorian or saw Mandalorian armor. And he had like Boba had a network of spies or contacts. And they're like, Hey, we saw someone wearing Mandalorian armor. And that's when he started tracking the Mandalorian in that episode with Fennec Shan. And then, okay. you know, yeah, and, and maybe that yeah. happened again when he came back in Cobb right. Van and he was like, got it. Well, that's interesting because you're right, because he could have been tracking him. He could have tracked him off of Tatooine in season one. He could have been tracking him that entire time. Mm. Yeah, it could have been. And, and then be, tracked him. Yeah. And just he, happened. He, to, I guess that's true. If he's tracking Din Djarin, but didn't know where his armor was, then he would have seen him get the armor. OK, all right. Maybe. Right, and yeah. Cobb Vanth could have been remote enough that no one would have seen him. Um, he also didn't seem like he did a lot with that armor other than wander around town as a as a sheriff. Yeah, looking cool, which is yeah. I think that's a great detail as well. 
Um, okay, what about where this is going? So we 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 talk about how the the scary death troopers came, took the the child away. We see, all right, we do see a very scary John Carlo Esposito um, slash Mosh, Moff Gideon interact with Grogu. Um, we also see a very powerful force wielder in Grogu just yeah. wrecking stormtroopers <laughs> um, with the force. Powerful yet reserved. He doesn't kill any of them. Kill them, right. He just sort of knocks them out. I wonder if his part of his training has come back to him after meeting with Ahsoka. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, or w- whatever communique he had with unknown, mm-hmm. with Jedi unknown in that thing. So the the thing that Jenny said to me, which I didn't really pick up on was she's like oh is he like way more powerful now that he's had that experience on the 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 in the henge uh, i don't know do you think he's more powerful because of that or is he's just using like he's he's in a tight spot so he's using the force to help try and save himself and he's always i had been- a similar question he definitely seems more con- has more control over it than he did like he seems like he yeah. had to concentrate to get the ball back both the last episode and the beginning of this episode and next time we see him, he's literally just tossing stormtroopers around. Yeah. So I wonder if, yeah, if something about that made him more connected with the force or he had some, like you said, some kind of communication with someone. So he definitely seems more powerful in the force or more controlled. Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, yeah, you bring up an interesting point, Adam, in that he's not like force choking these stormtroopers either. He well, could he, have had some sort of mortal awakening. He does choke. He did one force choke them. one. But not to death. But he's mainly just throwing them around. He's right, mainly he's holding them. them. Yeah, and then right. hits each other. And that tells me he's drained. If anything, he's drained from that, um, from reaching yeah. out on the scene stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and Gideon understands that. That was a really cool interchange with the Darksaber, our interaction where he brought out the Darksaber. Darksaber, first of all, looked amazing. I... <laughs> I almost thought a Kylo Ren moment was going to happen. Oh! I think Gideon was sensing that too. He was like, oh, I should put this away. I should put this away. Yeah. Something very bad could happen. That's kind of what I got. That's the sense I got in that moment. Because the the saber wobbles a little bit as Mm -hmm. Grogu is reaching out to it. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, we better put this away. He also said, which I wonder if it's foreshadowing, he was like, you could put an eye out with that. Oh, Mm -hmm. maybe that's actually a callback to the, like, Luke Skywalker looking down the barrel of his lightsaber when he first gets it in episode four. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That might just be it. But um, I'm also wondering if that's how we see Gideon go out with a lightsaber through the eye. Um. Probably. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they like the they have little callbacks, like the whole joke about the Razor Crest blowing up in this issue episode. I never really got until you mentioned how like the entire first half of the season is that thing getting broken further and further down. Then it gets repaired yeah. back to normal and then they immediately blow it up, yeah. which is a great gag if you're paying attention. I know. I, like in Big Lebowski, it's like they finally killed it. They finally yep. killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't forget, this is written by this. Every every issue is written by or every issue. Every episode is written by the same person. Right. Right. So you get more of that. It's not a writer room thing where he yeah, is right. or the setting people, up right? callbacks. It's because it's, uh, yeah. Filoni wrote the, the last episode. And, and I think he's the only one. I wonder if Rick Fiuma, I don't know if his is this, um, his is written by him. He wrote the last he wrote his one last season. I thought oh, did he? I thought he did, but I feel I like, yeah, I don't know if any of the directors wrote any of the episodes, to be honest, because not yet. Watching that round table. Just... It seemed like Favreau that, that is at least the first season was very 
Well, I think it's, I think part of it was that he probably gave them outlines, right? Because uh, right. I think the only one, I think he writes every one but one. I think Dave Filoni, I feel like Dave Filoni wrote one of the episodes of season one, but I, I'm fairly certain that Rick Fiuma, which I can never say his Bamu name, Fiuma. Fiuma, thank you. Fiuma, yeah. Fiuma, I'll get it down. I swear. I apologize. Um, um, I'm pretty sure he wrote his episode in the first season, but I will double check. All right, we can check that out. Um, okay, right. So, what I want to know next is why did they make shackles that small for a baby? <laughs> no, I'm well, just kidding. Wait, wait. It is yeah. the Empire, after all. And I'm like, yeah. And then I got, then, I, then we got into an actual discussion about it instead of just laughing at it. Cause I'm like, well, there's probably an alien species that actually is that small that needs shackles. And I'm like, well, this is no longer fun. <laughs> Either that, or I can imagine, like, you know, a stormtrooper with the orange pauldron being like, sweet, we finally get to use these. And there's crates of baby shackles, like, in somewhere <laughs> on that, like, light cruiser that it's like, there's just like, oh, we love locking up babies. But like, you no, know, we finally get to use these. You know, the Empire, it's cruelty before strategy. So they've got, yeah. they've got <laughs> shackles for everyone. Yeah. All right. No. So what I, I really wanted to say was what um, what are where do we think this is going? What what comes next? We have, you know. I don't, we have, you know, them uh, we have Boba Fett in, or we have Din Djarin with Boba Fett and Fennec Shan in Slave One, which is just makes me weep with joy inside but um but it's almost like saccharine sweet like that's almost too cool to even imagine them doing um and then in in there they're obviously pursuing uh grogu what what do you guys think think happens next i think next is the standalone episode. not standalone but next is the side quest to get migs mayfield is it mayfield right. mayfield out of prison again <laughs> or not right. again i guess he wasn't in it again so i'm guessing that's part of it and and i think we're heading exactly where we thought we were heading which is getting a group together to spring grogu right because i don't know which film it is uh of the spaghetti westerns uh, whether it's fistful of dollars or for a few dollars more but that starts with a, a prison breakout scene and i, I can imagine okay. that being the next episode yeah. with with migs the kind of prison breakout, getting him out, convincing Boba Fett to possibly help with the rescue mission to, to go get Grogu. I don't think you have um, to. He's in. Him, yeah, he's, he's in. He's in. Okay, he's in. Yeah, we got we got two new, two companions, two reliable, uh, possibly three. We don't know about Cara Dune. Well, so that's another element. I think Cara Dune. It would, if she's really with the New Alliance, it would behoove her to alert the new alliance yeah. or the uh, new Republic of empire imperial movements. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering if we get them breaking out Grogu in the midst of a space battle between the new Republic and the empire. The, the empire. empire. Yeah. Kind of using that to, to but, like using two sides against each other to get in there. Interesting. So do we know when the first shot, like, you know, blaster shot was fired between the, the remnant empire and the new republic like because i know bloodlines kind of covers a lot of that territory and they there's really a standstill there's really no combat being you know, spoken of right right i think it's unclear about whether it's being the remnant or just being a a like a, a petty dictator right like i think i think they leave enough with this that could just be like written as there was a skirmish between this one remnant sure, sure. you know person i also think to be honest 
they're kind of treating Bloodline as, yeah, we'll figure that out later. Right. <laughs> if this right. is good storytelling. <laughs> it was so vague. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I have a feeling watching this episode literally called the tragedy which again my wife's like well it was called the tragedy i was waiting for it to happen and there it was um i i have a feeling if this is really the second you know of maybe a trilogy of seasons if this is your empire strikes back i mean they don't get grogu back by the end of the season right i mean that's han and carbonite is grogu with the empire i see i don't really think this is I'm hopeful this is not going to just be a three season deal. Um, Me too. We talked about it. I mean, this still feels like the beginning of act one. I I think we get Grogu back and they set him up for obviously a new mission in season three, but I I think they, I think we get him back. We've got two episodes of them trying, um, but it it seems hard to believe that they'll just leave Grogu to be tortured and drained for blood for multiple episodes, you know, for three, four or five episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm hopeful that it's more than that. So I'm 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 emotionally pushing back on this being <laughs> Han That's and fair. Carpet. That's fair. I think that I don't think Grogu is going to come back. I think we're, I think it's going to be the rescue missions going to trail into season three. And I don't necessarily mean that they're going to be like three and done. I just wonder if like from a thematic yeah. standpoint, the first three seasons are a three act play. And then season four starts the new act of a new of a new play, you know. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Grant? Uh, so we do, do we think Din Djarin gets injured, maimed, much like Luke Skywalker in the end, the end of this season? Do we think he, he has his fall as well? Maybe. Uh, interesting, because, I mean, that is precedented. That's a very gunslinger thing. We were talking about that. And we're talking yeah. about Stephen King off air. Um, It'd be interesting if they did something like that, because he just seems to be getting stronger and stronger, like he's kind of due to be taken down a peg. Yeah. Um, he doesn't even duck anymore. He just stands there and gets bl- shot just gets blasted. blasted. He's like, no, nah, my armor's good. I'm good. Um, I'm I don't like, know. aim for the legs. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Something I'm thinking with this theory, this series is like the most simple, direct, straightforward answer is usually right with this. Yeah. I, I do think I do think a loss for him would be losing the armor, and I do think we might get uh, Pedro Pascal out of the armor at the end of this season, basically stranded somewhere. Yeah, maybe he's thrown back on. Maybe he's thrown, you know, thrown down on a uh, Mandalore and in mm. this kind of chaotic, you know, combat Ooh, zone no armor. type situation with no armor, and he's like, you know, maybe it's sort of dark joke of like you hear is this what you want you want to be a, a mandalorian you know yeah this is like yeah welcome to your yeah. world oh uh, yeah i mean that would be a great third season if they really introduce the strife that's going on there i think they have to at some point there's so much time yeah. Mandalore. oh definitely but then yeah. i'm just saying that would be just in the way you framed it is is good is a good idea and then no um, armor there either it's like our you know would he even be considered a mandalorian there you know all right, I'm going to submit a different idea. What if he, like, their clan... All right, the, the positive way, which is I think they'll get Grogu back, and, you know, they're assembling people, but I think, you know, for that battle for Mandalore, I think their clan of two is going to grow. And with mm-hmm. the assets that he has with the armor, if he can reconnect with her, and if he starts, you know, if they circle back with Sabine Wren... And now that they have Boba Fett, maybe he starts a new like the the um, 
the clan of the uh, Mudhorn grows and he starts like finding foundlings and making Mandalorians. So he's like, you know, as he's bringing these people in here, maybe, you know, Cara Dune becomes a Mandalorian. Maybe, you know, he's Fennec Shan becomes a man, you know, like he starts dubbing them like knights. You know what I mean? I know this is right. sort of wild and maybe lame, but but like that would bring like Cobb Vanth and he starts creating his own tribe is that, no uh, covert. He's right. He, he recreates the covert and like brings people together and, and creates a battalion. See, I don't think I do think we will see the armorer again. And I think the armor yeah. could be I think if, if a Din Djarin yeah. does have a fall or he loses his armor or like he just he's gravely wounded and he doesn't get Grogu back and it does feel like Empire at the end of this. I do feel like that hand that's going to reach out and help him up is going to be the armorer's hand. That's kind of I feel like she's going to come back in a pretty big way. Yeah, that's that could be it. She's yeah, I wouldn't be surprised on, if we see her again. Yeah. She's sitting on enough Beskar to outfit a whole co- new covert. It, we yeah, know, right. If, he, if right. he loses his helmet, she can place another one right in front of him, right? Like a new one, basically. Yeah. A and, different, maybe different looking one. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting to talk about him maybe like, you know, knighting Mandalorians or what have you. I mean, yeah. This season, his exposure to Mandalorians have been very different than what he was raised on, right? Yeah. First, he met, um, oh, I can't think of her name now. I'm blanking. Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, right. Then he met Boba Fett. And so he's met these two different types of Mandalorians who identify as such, wear the armor, but don't live by those, you know, rules that the Death Watch clan or the children of the clan or whatever it was. Children of the Watch. Children of the Watch were, right. And I also feel like... Clan, very different thing. Yeah, very very different thing. (laughs) Uh, But I feel like at the same time, yeah, Grant, we're probably going to get his helmet taken off because he's also been constantly exposed to other Mandalorians who are completely comfortable taking off their helmets, right? So I feel like he's just gonna. I feel like that's gonna go away by season three. The thing is, is I like the Children of the Watch dogma for this. I I feel like I want that to be the the dogma that that restrengthens Mandalore and brings it back to its its you know its warrior culture ways and it in its real strength. I mean, it. I think you guys are right. He's due. There's do for a major new antagonistic force and it could be losing his armor. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's something, there's something that that's in the works there somehow, but um, we'll see. Let's see how it, it does. It does sound like we're going like um, uh, Moff Gideon is bringing Grogu to Dr. Pershing. Yeah. yeah. Wherever Dr. Yeah. Pershing may be, whatever, if it's a different cloning facility, we could be going, we could be heading there. And what world would that be on? Like, what, what world? We, obviously, we know there's... Come, you know. See, I was going to throw that out there because, yeah. I, you know, the creators, you know, like to explore yeah. old locations, as we've seen in the saga films and things And like to that. have would... Boba Fett back on Camino would be yeah. interesting. Wild. Yeah. If he, like, yeah. knows his way around, he's like, oh, yeah, follow me. <laughs> Sorry, that's my bad New Zealand accent. <laughs> Dengar um, sneaking in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Wait, did, did you say Dengar? Yes, we could probably. He's <laughs> no. like, hey, did you get one of my friends? <sighs> Dengar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I just there's so there's this like wagon train. I just want to revisit. Like we did it a, a while ago. So right now we have leading the charge at, at the front is Moff Gideon with Grogu, right? Yeah. And Grogu is being pursued by. Um, now Boba Fett and um, 
and Dinjarin and Fennishan, yep. right? Um, Moff Gideon's also being pursued by Bo-Katan. To, oh, right. To forgot about Bo-Katan. Yep. And, and now there's a Jedi somewhere out there. Yeah, Jedi somewhere out there. Well, there's two Jedi. So, well, yeah, so there's whatever Jedi that um, that Grogu spoke to is now in that wagon train too, like, you know, in, in line pursuing Grogu. Like, I think, I think that's what's going to turn the tides. This is why I think they're going to get Grogu back because they've now laid the seeds for whoever um grogu spoke to to appear right this season it would be sort of i mean it, I don't yep. know. no i think you're i think it's a good point it's it's, and, and it's early up, enough in the season yeah. yeah if it's luke they're getting grogu back like don't worry well, about it. it actually makes more sense more and more sense that luke would come into this story because we know that luke and lando are hunting down you know exegol or at least mm. you know a means to find exegol and yeah. i think uh something that could have uh and a catalyst for that is Luke discovering a kind of dark cloning operation and being like, right. whoa, there's, and then seeing like these, the, the Sith Eternal emblem somewhere in yeah. the laboratory. And they're experimenting and being like, on exactly. sensitive kids. And yeah. there we go. Yeah. And then, he's, yeah. then he's off the races. He's, he's on that treasure hunt after that. And it could also plant the seed for him to start a new uh, Jedi Academy. You know, it might just be like, ugh. like he may not, he's not going to trade, train Grogu, I don't think, but it might be like, you know what, I need to start, you know, building up our forces for what's to come. I mean, right. it, it makes sense. Like once he discovers Exegol, but doesn't can't find it, is like, I know there's something going out there. We need to, you know, I need to to get the Jedi ready again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it would be. There's a lot of capability for some thing. We uh for a really great jump synergy there between those two stories and i love the idea of seeing the you know being watching the beginnings of first order come together um also um we have yeah i mean we have the 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 new republic is is in that wagon train as well right there right i I think they're gonna show up again Um, because uh tiva what's his name is tiva yeah is suspicious about going yeah 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 so that's why I think we're going to have multiple. I think you're right. I think there's this wagon train going on. And I think we are going to have a new Republic versus shattered empire standoff that they're kind of in the middle of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just double checked. So next episode is written by uh, Rick. Uh, Fima. 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 Thank you. Uh, <laughs> who also did write the episode last season who did the jailbreak episode. Oh, wow. So, so I think we're, we're going to get, not necessarily standalone, but he's clearly on that side mission to get yeah. uh, whatever his name. So that's interesting, right? Because I feel like last season, the season finale was really two episodes long, right? Episodes seven and eight yeah. were like kind of one continuous thing. Right. And so now we have this. And I also I'm trying to figure out, I wonder who directed episode eight or episode 16 or chapter 16, episode eight of this season. Because I think we've everyone who is announced as a director has directed so far. I think it's Favreau. That's as one is it Favreau? It's probably Favreau or Filoni would be my guess, but it's it's got to be one yeah. of the two. Yeah, I think yeah. I don't know why that's ringing a bell, but I think Favreau is doing it. I know. Yeah, Taika obviously did the the last season's finale, which is amazing. But I think because Favreau hasn't directed one yet, right? No, he directed the season so, opener. Oh, he did. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that would make sense, Favreau or Filoni. But I, I think yeah, he'll he'll land the flame. I, I feel like it could be Favreau just because the if we get any more Dark Trooper action, there's a lot of Iron Man going on. Oh, those Dark yeah. Troopers, and <laughs> I mean, it's like let yeah. Favreau just capitalize on that. That whole thing was amazing. Like it just looked like um, <laughs> that the when the Dark Troopers came down, it looked like the Iron Legion from like yeah. uh, Age so, of Ultron and all that stuff. Yeah. Where it's just like yeah. So he might be perfect for that that kind of material, honestly. Yeah. All right. See. I mean, I'm still hoping they get. See, I, I would love one of these seasons to end with maybe the finale being directed by George Lucas. Like that's kind of I'm holding out hope that. Yeah. He would direct one little episode at some point in this this series because we know he'd made he's made multiple set visits. He, yeah. You know, he's really really close with Dave Filoni. You know, it's like. Yeah. I would love to see his name appear on the screen. That'd be really special. That would be super special. I didn't you don't know, but yeah, I guess maybe that would be the episode. And, and with Grogu being a tribute to George Lucas's. Oh, you know, and especially name. if if Luke Skywalker is the cavalry, mm. it would make sense that Right, because if you de age if you de age Mark Hamill, you, you Yeah. We do a lot of voice work, make sure he, uh, he sounds like young Luke and he makes an appearance, and then it's also directed by George Lucas. Like that is honestly, that would be my, oh my biggest gosh. ask. My biggest ask for this show. Yeah, that would be unbelievable. And because I feel like they have been very cryptic about where this series is going, and it feels like there's something big on the horizon. I mean, this is huge. Like if if you know, they just these are we've met all the characters for the season, and you know they come together and save Grogu. Like it's still an amazing season. Um, yeah. But I feel like thinking the thing is, is like once you have George Lucas direct, you know, Mark Hamill uh, for a season closer, like, where do you go from there? Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is the show to do that in either. So yeah. I'll throw that out there. It's this show is called The Mandalorian. It should, you know, deal with, I guess, you know, Mandalorians per se. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so tough. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, I, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense that the next obstacle would be sort of reclaiming Mandalore um, because they could do that forever, you know, and it could sort of intertwine. They're going to have to fight the Empire again there, right, because, you know, and then they, they can still see new seeds of the First Order. And then um, I don't know, maybe Luke could do some sort of have some parallel mission with Exegol and calling them for help or something, or maybe not. Maybe he just goes off on his hunt. Um, and you know, we never see him or Ahsoka again. I really do think like, you know, what, what you guys were both saying where it's like this show could go on forever. And I kind of hope that they just like, let it ride. And I I just hope, you know, there's no need to be attached to a Jedi in this show. It's like, it's nice to see them. It's cool. I hope we run into them again. I love a Mace window cameo at some point, but, um, (laughs) you're seeing that fan art that's going around. (laughs) No, I, I haven't seen it's it. It's basically showing like a grizzled Mace Windu uh, who has who is the one who hears Grogu like reach out from the seeing stone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like out here. That falls into the surprise category, you know? It's like Luke makes sense, but like I, I wouldn't hate a surprise, you know, and, and Mace yeah. would be one of them. Uh, you know, Cal Kestis, Ezra Bridger, Mace Windu, I think they're all they're all options there, um, in addition to Luke. Um, yeah. We've already seen Ahsoka, Leia. I mean, tough. I, I think they're staying away from Carrie Fisher stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But I mean, but she's still. Yeah, it depends if Billy Lord wants to loosen up her grip on that IP and sort of let them do. More, I don't know, I don't know, more replacement stuff with her or not, but. uh, Annie, yeah, yeah, I just I don't know. It's weird to pull the trigger on Luke because then it's just like. I feel like once you do that, it's kind of like, why isn't Luke in every episode now? <laughs> like, like, right? Like, right. Like, yeah. So I don't know. But I feel like I don't know who else would be satisfying. I mean, yeah, maybe like you said, Mace Dude, Windu. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, maybe. Hey. All right. I did think Ahsoka was going to tell Din Djarin that, 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 that Grogu chooses him and chooses to stay with him. And yes, you know, is most comfortable with him. But I could I could equally see Luke providing that moment for sure Jinjar. yep so i yeah. and that's a that's a good way to uh have luke enter and exit in a very you know brief kind of yeah it, you know what you know what mace windu would say the same thing right he didn't <laughs> want anakin skywalker taught and he'd be like i told you like yeah. we he shouldn't have taught we shouldn't have trained him yeah. right he was right i i don't have no, mace windu was right the entire time but kenny right. mundy threw a wrench in that plan Skiati Monday. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That uh I mean he would like he would say the same thing. So I don't know. But I, I just I love Mark Hamill so much. I just I wanna I wanna see Luke Skywalker again. And he's totally uh, game. Yeah. We'll see. It can do all those things. Um, so we're blessed with the series. It's so fantastic. So um, all right. Well, Hey, everyone, uh, new listeners, thanks for listening to us. This has been a great series. I've been talking to some of you online that I know never cared at all about Star Wars. And now you're like, did you see the next episode? And and texting me about it. And um, I really appreciate that, um, hey. that you dig it. And thanks uh, very much for listening to us. Uh, we're to having- all our friends in Denmark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Hey, Denmark. <laughs> and we see you. We're kind of a big thing in Denmark. <laughs> oh yeah no um all of our fans all around the world it's really fun to see the people are not fans but people that are listening to this conversation um you're all one of us and um we think that's just great um i hope we're doing a good job if we're not tell us about it if you want to hear something different tell us about it we want this to be a dialogue with um just star wars fans so um yeah there's ways to reach out to us um whether it's twitter or instagram um or our discord server we're out there um get at us and uh you know great job y'all we're uh we're keeping on keeping on here um and uh yeah so we'll talk to you next week with another exciting episode um and until then may the force be with you always this is grex Kondak signing off for the latest breaking news follow at core world news on twitter and instagram thank you and good night remember Force will be with you always. <laughs>